Hey everyone, I'm YM Nelson and you are listening to the Nerdy Romantics Podcast. If you like what you're hearing from the Nerdy Romantics Podcast. Please subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. You can also find me on ymnelson.com. And let's talk more Star Trek Picard. More of my love fest for Star Trek Picard. This episode is part two of my I guess Easter egg hunt slash how I feel about Star Trek Picard. As of this particular taping or this particular recording of this episode, Star Trek Picard is almost in its second season. They have just announced as of uh, last week of this record. From this recording of an appearance of another character from TNG for the second season. And so that's got me going back to season one, getting all excited again. And I want to just do a little love fest here about Star Trek Picard, particularly about some Easter eggs from episode seven. In this episode, we're also going to talk about things that kind of bug me about just about uh, about Star Trek Picard, but I guess kind of bug me in general, maybe about Star Trek, you know, just a little bit of maybe predictions for um, or things I want to see for season two. So that's what we're going to talk about here today. Uh, before we actually get into the discussion, I want to let everybody know that this will have spoilers. So spoiler alert, warning, there will be spoilers in this podcast episode. So let's get into it. So last time we talked about the timing. I kind of gave you a story of I watched Star Trek Picard when I watched it and also talked a lot about episode five and why the Easter eggs in that episode were just particularly poignant slash just got me really giddy as a as a TNG Trekkie. So let's continue and talk about episode seven. Basically there's a few Easter eggs here. There's not a few. There's a lot of Easter eggs here that really get to me as a specifically as a TNG Trekkie. So a little bit of background about kind of about me as a Trekkie um, that I didn't talk about. I am 
definitely a TNG Trekkie. I love Star Trek The Next Generation. In fact, I love it so much that probably about 90, I would say about 90% of the episodes, um, maybe 95% of the episodes, I can tell you what happens in the entire episode by watching the very beginning, you know, that first part back in the day for all you young folks that watch TV back in the day, they had this little segment, probably about two minutes. Yeah. About two minutes before the intro music of a TV show started and they would actually play intro music for a TV show, which is like almost unheard of right now. You know, it's like the TV shows just kind of blend into one another right now. Most of the episodes, I can kind of tell like maybe if it's halfway into the episode and like you just show me like a second or two, maybe 30 seconds halfway into an episode, I can tell you exactly what the episode is about. So that's how much of a TNG fan I am and so episode seven of Star Trek Picard really gives you for everybody who's a fan like that (laughs) episode seven gives you a lot of that feel-good stuff from that you just love from TNG especially a lot of that feel-good stuff if you were a fan of Data if you were a fan of Lieutenant Commander Data which that my top, out of my top three episodes, the top two are episodes that feature Data. Data is like one of my just all-time favorite characters. Definitely from TNG. He's like my favorite character from TNG. So this episode of Star Trek Picard has a lot of little Data-isms, Easter eggs that just get to me. And while this episode has a lot of Easter eggs, period, really what I'm going to talk about are just the ones that I love because there's just so many that, you know, you just, you just kind of have to just soak it up and, 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 and just kind of everybody, you know, has their own Easter eggs that they just are going to kind of get to them. The first one actually doesn't have to, that's really poignant for me and a really shows how much of a Trekkie nerd that I am is the Kestra fact. Picard has rescued the data-like android Soji and they are kind of in this space like where do we go now? And so of course the first place he's going to go is to this place called Nepanthe. So basically, Nepanthe is where Commander Riker stays with his wife, of course, Deanna Troy, which up until this point, I forgot they had gotten married in uh, Star Trek Generations. They had gotten married. But there is an actual background that I talk about in the first part of my love fest where I'm comparing the last two episodes of TNG to the season of Star Trek Picard. And if you take out Generations, which I had forgotten about at the time, you'll see that that last episode or the last two episodes of Star Trek uh, TNG, it shows that Deanna died, right? And that's one off, That's one timeline. Of course, he tells 
them about the timeline and he does that to kind of prevent them from going down that same path kind of thing. So, you know, having that in my mind as I'm binge watching Star Trek Picard, I'm thinking A, Worf and Deanna Troy were together at the end of TNG. In that alternate timeline, they showed that they were together and Worf and Riker had this thing feud going on or whatever and all that kind of stuff. And so those are the kind of things that they wanted to prevent in the future. So that's, of course, what was in my mind. And I'm like, wow, they ended up getting married. Where's Worf? But, you know, as I watched and as I kind of pieced together some other stuff, I forgot, you know, so this makes sense. But the big Easter egg for me is the Kestra factor. Riker and Deanna Troy have had two kids One of them is still alive and her name is Kestra. That immediately got to me. And of course, I'm just, I'm total, like a total emotional basket case sometimes. So I'm like, oh my gosh, they named her Kestra. That is so awesome. Kestra is Deanna's sister who died very young. Like Deanna was like a baby, I think. And Kestra had an accident and died and there's only one episode where she's mentioned in TNG so the fact that they named their daughter Kestra was just I I was just like oh my gosh It, it just gave me chills it's so great so that's the big easter egg for me but then there are a lot of little easter eggs and they center around data because of course Soji finds out that she's an android and finds out that she is Data's, a Data-like android. Basically, we learn a lot about, or we re-get these little Easter eggs about Data, which just, you know, kind of just gives you these little, oh my gosh, yes, that's how he was. That, you know, that, you know all of this other kind of stuff. You just, you just get these little chills and get these little giddy, like, oh my gosh. So Kestra is talking to Soji, for all intents and purposes, one of Data's daughters, and is asking Soji about, you know, things that she does. And that's based on stuff that Data has done, right? Kestra asked Soji if she likes to play the violin, which it was a Data thing. If she liked Shakespeare, remember that? That was a that's a Picard thing, but then that's a Data thing as well. She asked Soji if if she dreams, there's this whole section where where Data f- starts to explore dreaming. These are, you know, kind of things that Kestra asked Soji, and these are very Data-like things. There's also dis- this discussion if Soji has, you know, mucus, <laughs> you know, if she has saliva, you know, because again, this goes to data wanting to be human and data having these this big desire to be human so it would be a big thing that his daughter would have more human qualities right so those are some big things and near the um kind of near the end of the episode you notice that 
as they're getting together to eat, Riker, Picard, Deanna, Troy, Kestra, and Soji, you'll notice that Soji does a head tilt. You know, when you notice it, you notice that is a, a definite data thing. He used to do that all the time. That was his thing. You know, he was like curious and he would do his little head tilt. There are a lot of other kind of cool Easter eggs that happen in episode seven. Basically, Riker's house could be right from a log cabin in Alaska, where Riker is from. You know, we see a lot of Deanna stuff coming out. She mentions as ship's counselor, blah, blah, blah. And of course, she's not ship's counselor, but it harkens back to the time when she was. She couldn't, you know, read anything from Soji. And again, that that talks about Deanna that also talks about, you know, data cause data doesn't have, you know, those emotions. Deanna can't read her in that beta Zoid way. They talk about beta Z and earth as being home worlds. And Riker is going to do a, a shields up reference. And he does. He's going to do a red alert reference. That is in jest. That is funny. Of course, he's going to do that. And so those were the things that, you know, he did on the Enterprise. And so those are cheesy, but they're they're cute. But there's also a couple of things that just kind of go across all of the Star Trek franchise. They mention Kronos, which we know is the Klingon homeworld. Um, in the very beginning... Commander O does a Vulcan mind meld. That's a big deal. The Borg have this tractor beam that they're using to hold on to Rios and Rafi's ship. So we all know about the Borg tractor beam that they can't, nobody can seem to get out of. But then there's one Easter egg that is, it's actually part of Star Trek Discovery which is really, to me, in this next kind of generation of imaginings from the Star Trek Enterprise, uh, Star Trek franchise. To me, Discovery is the first, and Star Trek Picard is kind of the second um, imagining of the uh, where they're going to go with the Star Trek franchise. And they mention a... Um, um, and a comet that's like a, a gormagander. A gormagander is something that we don't see un- and is not mentioned until Star Trek Discovery. So that's something kind of cool in this particular episode that I think ties in another Star Trek s- series. One other kind of fun Easter egg I thought was kind of cool that Riker is making dinner and he is cooking a pizza in out an outside like fire oven or whatever. And he burns the tomatoes on the pizza, which is kind of funny because there's this one other episode in Star Trek TNG where he's cooking. Star Trek, they have replicators. They don't have to cook. But there are a few people that cook across the series. And Riker is one that's shown cooking. And there's this one episode where, where he's cooking and he's making scrambled eggs. And the scrambled eggs are Owan eggs. 
I don't know what one eggs are, but they're one eggs. And nobody likes those eggs except Worf. They just, they just think they're nasty. So the meal is kind of a fail. And so it's kind of funny that here he burns the tomatoes that go on this pizza, right? So it's kind of a fail. That's pretty cool. The second thing that's got me thinking is a couple of things bug me about this series. I don't know if they bug anybody else. They bug me in general, I think, because I don't think this is the only time this happens. It's in Star Trek Picard, but they kind of bug me in general. Um, the first thing at the end of the series or near the end, last few episodes of the series, they have this big battle, right? And so there's fire in space. Y'all, please, fire in space? How can you have fire in space when space is kind of devoid of oxygen? Just something to think about. But when I see explosions in space that look like fire, you know, that kind of, I don't know, that just gets to me. Anyway, and that does not just happen on Star Trek Picard, let's be honest. But of course, you know, it got me thinking. The other thing that's kind of specific, specifically Star Trek TNG, is one that Picard is always inhabited by something, or that he's or is taken by something, or something like that. For instance, he was made to be a Borg, right? So he was Locutus. There was this one episode in TNG where he, a probe had gotten a hold of him and he became somebody else uh, for a whole lifetime. There was one episode where these energy beings went inside of him and basically he became these energy beings and he uh, went into, went back into the nebula with the energy beings. So at the end of this season, he doesn't get inhabited by something, but something, he inhabits something, you know, his spirit inhabits a golem that they've made, right? So I just think that's just, wow. But it's just weird how that happens. We see, and I think, I think part of the reason why they do this is they want to give Picard longevity for as long as he wants to play this role but also give him an out because there's one kind of tie over that is kind of neat but not neat from the last couple of episodes of Star Trek TNG um there's a reason why of course he goes 25 years into the future And why they don't believe that he's gone 25 years into the future is because he has irisene syndrome, which is some kind of brain thing. And so at the beginning of Star Trek Picard, we find out he does still have some kind of brain thing. And this some kind of brain thing is now gotten to be bad. And as far as I can remember, they don't name it irisene syndrome here. But he does have some kind, they might have. I'm, I'm not exactly sure on that. And then the last thing is, does anybody notice how many times Data has tried to die? At the end of Star Trek Picard, he's basically just saying, listen, 
Picard. You have got to kill me off. Please take my conscience out of this particular thing. I want to die. The whole kind of intrigue with me and the whole kind of I need to watch this to see what happens kind of thing with Star Trek Picard is because on the trailer I saw Data. And the fact that I saw Data and Data was alive is inconsistent with the timeline of Star Trek TNG with the movies put in. Because in Star Trek Nemesis, he dies in Star Trek Nemesis. And actually, Brent Spiner said something around that time because, of course, a lot of people didn't like that movie for whatever reason. But I think part of the reason that they didn't was because Data died. And there was this big thing in TNG that Data was going to outlive all of them. And then the thing is, is Data is an android, so Data really can't age. Well, at some point, they're going to have to kill Data, right? Because the actor who plays Data ages. And so that was kind of Brent Spiner's thing in an interview that he did shortly after Nemesis came out. He did some kind of interview and said something to the effect of, I'm aging. Data is not aging, but I am getting older. So at some point, we're going to have to kill this character off because I can't play this character, right? And so the fact that he's playing this character again, because Brent Spiner is playing Data in Star Trek Picard. So the fact that he is playing this character again is, oh my gosh. So at the end of this season, for him to say, please kill me, (laughs) please kill me. It's kind of like a cry for help kind of thing. It's just like, listen, Brent Spiner (laughs) just does not want to be Data anymore, dudes. Okay. He can't do this character like this, you know, anymore. So I I, I thought that was interesting slash funny slash weird. So there's there's my whole how I feel about Star Trek Picard. Uh, Overall, I love the show. I love the hints of who they're going to bring in for season two or just bring in in general, I sort of love them. Uh, <laughs> there's one character I'm just like, gosh, that character was so annoying on TNG. And the fact that they're hinting that they're going to bring him back is just like, and you probably know who I'm talking about. But I love the the whole premise of the show. I love what they're doing. But I especially love all the little Easter eggs that they drop. It is the perfect bomb for a Trekkie, for a TNG Trekkie especially. And so there you have it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nerdy Romantics Podcast, part two of our Star Trek Picard Love Fest. To be notified of our latest podcast when they drop, please subscribe wherever you get this podcast. You can also go to ymnelson.com to see all the podcasts and see if there are any that you may have missed. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next episode. Stardate, not too distant future. Brandon is a diehard Trekkie. 
He's watched every Star Trek franchise episode multiple times. He has several cosplay and collectible uniforms in his closet. Commander Will Riker is his favorite cosplay character, and he's been to dozens of conventions. But he's never met or gotten in a fight with another Trekkie like Phoenix. Phoenix is looking forward to her first Star Trek convention until she meets Brandon. He's nothing like the Riker character she loves to hate. He's combative, socially awkward, and off-putting. But he's so adorable. Phoenix and Brandon keep running into each other, each time more heated than the next. With three days of convention to get through, will they get past the hostility and find what they know is there? Attraction and perhaps love? This is the premise of Stardate, a free e-story for my newsletter subscribers, available on February 1st. If you like Trekkie romance, romantic comedy, or just like to see a little grumpy sunshine trope, this story is for you. Go to ymnelson.com backslash subscribe and get your free copy.